I'm just in a different room Why on a very it? comfortable podcasting couch. Oh, you know, that's what I need. That's that's the thing that you lose when you go to a stand-up desk is <laughs> a comfortable <laughs> podcasting couch. <laughs> um, I Actually, I spent uh, a good hour yesterday reconfiguring my stand-up desk. I brought the monitor way up high. Oh, because that's my good. Po- my posture was suffering. Yeah. So in more than now, it's like a surveillance monitor. It's like <laughs> in the corner. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's definitely <laughs> head height now. Maybe, maybe, well, yeah, it's, it's up there. It's a little daunting. It looks kind of, uh, it, it look, you look at the desk now and I actually moved the location. I kind of put it up against a window and instead of in the middle of the room and, um, gives me some room to roam, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of had the monitor sort of at the same height as the, the keyboard and the mouse. So I was standing, but I was just doing kind of these funky little hunches and, uh, hip shifts <laughs> that that were painful. Yeah. And, uh, so I moved things around and and um, you know, tried to clean up all my my wiring and that sort of thing. Just sort of try to re-inspire. But I do, I, and I think it's for better or worse with this stand-up desk. Well, I think it's for good and for bad that I don't spend a lot of time on at the desk on my computer. So I think that's good because there are there are other things that that I need to do and and um it's good not to get I think caught um you know doing unproductive things which you know if you're sort of sitting in a chair in front of your computer you you can do at times. I think um, it's amusing that you say that the, the stand up desk actually uh keeps, keeps you from doing unproductive things. <laughs> I well, I have not been so lucky. Uh, Maybe it's that I've awesome. gotten exceptionally good at my stand-up desk and that now I'm able to be as unproductive while standing up sure. as I once was sitting down. It's the goal, isn't it? Well, you know, if there is a brass ring, that's the one I'm <laughs> shooting for. There are worse things. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've you know, there's a lot of phone calls to make and, and uh, other creative projects to pursue. So, uh, yeah, for now... <laughs> Uh, for now, and, and so for good and for bad, I, I would also say there are some some projects that uh, that I'm doing in other places where I can sit <laughs> because I look at that desk and think, gosh, that's going to be a couple hours. Do I want to stand up for? <laughs> I don't know if I do. <laughs> anyway, but it's it's uh, you know it's good to shake things up. It's good to. It's good to sort of keep your yourself hopping a little bit, I think. Yeah. I also, by the way, found a really phenomenal coffee shop here in in Boise that uh looks like a great place to to pursue a project, you know, something where you've got a you know, let's say a website project, you've got to sit down and and really hammer out. What a cool it's an old church that has all kinds of uh, couches and tables and places to kind of hide in a corner for an entire day. Pretty like, exciting. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I may, I may head there after this podcast. Oh, that's, so it's that's awesome. You find those, right? Yeah. That's- you know, especially, well, here, and you know, I hate to, I know there, there are people who, uh, who don't like the Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know, they have. Not done, one of them. No, I'm definitely not one. I'm, I'm a frequent, uh, frequent flyer. And, um, one of the things that um, uh, that they're doing here is they're doing the the revamp. You know, they're remodeling all the Starbucks. 
And yeah, we're, we've got part of the new wine plus coffee kind of thing, or oh, I don't know about wine. Oh, wine? Well, they were testing that. Yes. Yeah, oh, not not here. Okay. At least I haven't seen any wine at Starbucks here in Portland. But but they've they've just been re rejiggering them all, reconfiguring. They've got different tables and chairs, a little bit more comfortable, I think, and the orientations. But they've got these. They've they've now at least in in the main you know my main drag Starbucks. They've got giant tables in the middle, kind of the middle? big central table that that seat like fifteen. Communal table. Yeah, the communal table right in the middle with good lighting and and uh, sure. I really like that. I like it. Feels like working on kind of a team even though i don't well, know anybody i kind of noticed that uh early on when starbucks was competing against your neighborhood corner coffee shops that were you know attracting people that would sit and and uh, sit on their laptop for hours they seemed to have a, a, a pretty competitive array of furniture that in my mind kind of seemed to have been phased out a bit replaced by more products and and also smaller stores mm -hmm. that didn't quite encourage that you know stick around forever uh, vibe so i think that's interesting i know that there are certainly well you know portland's full of great coffee shops but i love that one uh in it's not quite the pearl district but that place uh, you and i have met before that has the you know the plugs uh at the tables oh, and, uh, yeah totally it's uh brecken kitchen brecken place is so cool it's very cool um uh, and um yeah, that's a that's a frequent stop. It's in, um, yeah, it's not it's not quite the pearl, uh, off of Thurman, off of Thurman. That's yeah, I wouldn't know what north end. It's it, yeah, it's north, a great north that's of a the great REI. Place. Yeah, north of the REI. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, that's a good one. The other one, there's another one I like. Uh, it's a Java Vivace, or I think it's just Vivace now. Now it's kind of a restaurant. They serve crepes now, but it's a it's a house on um, Northwest Twenty Third. That's uh, that's really cool to. To, and it's, it, you know, it's one of those, one of the things I like about it is that it's like they've taken this whole house, right? And so downstairs you get your thing, you in the like living room by the fireplace is where you order your food and you take your coffee and you go sit in like the kid's bedroom upstairs kind of a thing. You oh, know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's like every room of this old house is converted into, you know, restaurant space. And that's uh, so interesting. It's really cool. It's a cool vibe. So what's your strategy, your, what's your productivity strategy for coffee shops? I mean, when, when do you figure, you know what, I need a coffee shop for this? Or, or is, it, is it a bad thing? Is it you go to a coffee shop thinking you're going to be productive and you end up just reading news? Well, that's always the risk, the black hole of, of Internet. But, and so when I, when I know I'm going to be most productive, it's usually grading papers, honestly. That side of, the, of my business where I teach uh, it, you know, is, is one where I end up with these long bouts where I know I'm just going to have to muscle through staring at the screen and typing comments. And so I right. take my headphones. I've got great headphones. What and, kind? Uh, Edematics. Uh, these are the H2Fs. Um, they are in-ear with the spongy memory foam kind of thing. So you oh, stick cool. them in and they fill your ear so you can't, and th so you can keep the volume really low, um, which is important. You don't want to blow out your brain. And, uh, so you keep the volume low, but it's, they're, they're sound, they're noise isolating because, but they, they don't have any of the active kind of Bose noise canceling thing going on. So you don't have that white noise fuzz, which I hate, I hate that. Um, so you just hear your music and I put on, uh, now, right now my music of choice is the social network soundtrack. Fantastic. Trent Reznor. Oh, and, right. uh, and I, I put that on and I just, I, man, I can, I can go for a couple of repeats of that, uh, of that entire 
album. And um, so we'll speaking of the of social work. network, Mark Zuckerberg had quite a week last week. You know, I was I, that was how I was gonna. Uh, I was what I wanted Segway. to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that was quite romantic of him to uh, right after becoming a twenty billion dollar man, turn a graduation celebration for his girlfriend into a a, a private personal wedding with, well, I guess, a hundred people isn't super private, but still. Yeah, like in his backyard. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. It will be interesting to watch his career. And 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 I have, uh, I have read about several Facebook young, you know, either billionaires or multimillionaires who are doing very productive things that are, are pretty impressive so far. What What do you? What does that mean, productive things? Well, okay, how do you, so, how do you okay. qualify but I, that? I don't know you... names, but there was one of the original founders, and I'm not sure who who, who he is, but um, there was a story a couple of weeks ago about he how he, I thought this was really very interesting, he and uh, and another uh, early Facebook employee who's, who's worth far less but worth far more than me, um, they're down in Soho in, in San Francisco uh, creating a um, a... What's the uh, some software for project management, I guess, and and they're both, I guess, in their late twenties, and and certainly the the, uh, the 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 one guy just really doesn't have to work for the rest of his life, and uh, you know neither do to quite a few of them at this point, you know, after the IPO, but um, but they're this the comment I really liked from uh this guy and and maybe it sounds a little heady but uh or conceited but i i didn't read it that way he said he felt like working was kind of his obligation and that that is how he can contribute positively to the world and if he isn't working or creating things or or you know showing up at work uh then he's not doing his part he's not making the world a better place and he can make the world a better place. And so we're talking about project management software that he's going to make money off of. But his read on it was, if I don't do this, then I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I'm wasting, you know, space here on the planet. It was, I, I, I thought it was interesting actually. And I think there are a number of those guys who seem to be very, uh, you know, certainly they're intelligent and, and well-educated and, 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 you know, uh, I guess you could say got very lucky. A lot of them, um, but uh, but also work hard and are industrious. And I I don't see too many of them. You know, uh, I don't I, I don't hear about them. For instance, on heroin binges in Hollywood, or um, you know, wasting all their money gambling in Vegas, or uh, I hear about interesting things like pursuing projects, or you know, still working many long hours and. I think it's just kind of interesting because that's still a pretty young crowd, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think that's true. Besides, it's not, you know, heroin was kind of the '90s drug. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's crystal meth. Yep. They, <laughs> Sorry, they, that's I, terrible. They do. Uh, um, they, you know, the the thing the thing that's interesting. So, uh, so the this all is all sort of uh, spins off of the IPO, which was Friday. Facebook opened at thirty eight. Uh, dollars a share and today it is uh it's well it's been it's been on a nice steady decline for the last uh, couple of days it is now it, it's now at um uh 3260 made a lot of people a lot of money but it wasn't a, a you know a, a sort of a bang up 
launch. And um, so I, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think it's what do you think that is? Is well, is there a message you can get from the fact that the stock didn't shoot from 38 to 100? No, because and I, you know, I certainly think they they did their best to try to price it uh, appropriately. I, I, I don't think they were trying to overshoot or 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 or, you know, be gimmicky. But I think IPOs for companies like that, I, I mean, really like a young company, uh, technically a pretty young company that has such a massive valuation uh it's hard i think to um <laughs> to really i i think it's risky i think i mean ipos are risky in a lot of ways but uh so you know i think this is not certainly not unprecedented and i don't think it's shocking and i think uh and I think it will also be interesting for people to have access to information about Facebook that they haven't before now that they're public, you know, mm-hmm. and what does that mean and how do people, I think a lot of people are, you know, certainly a lot of um, traditional analysts or traditional traders or whatever are are uh, not sure what to make. And, you know, and we've been through, uh, you know, it's been a while, but the internet bubble was uh, a, really a time of saying, companies that have no revenue, you know, what's their future worth? I mean, there were so many weird IPOs that happened that uh, for companies that were all about what could be possible and that uh, that ran its course. And Facebook is, uh, their IPO is at a time where it's not, it's not just a calculation of where will they go, but, you know, how are they doing? And And it's easier now to say, how about this year or next quarter or, you know, we talked uh, about sort of the the profit or the revenue per Facebook yeah, per user. click or per user. Yeah. Yeah. And what are they going to do to, you know, how, how how fast can they catch up with the likes of Google in terms of uh, really putting the right ads in front of the right people to make commercial activity occur? So. Anyway, yeah, it's steady decline, but I don't, you know, it's not like this is some washed up company that, uh, I, I think it'll be up and down for a while, I guess. That's, I don't know what you can learn from it. Well, I, you know, I said it the way I said that you would think that I was gearing up for a loaded question and I really wasn't, uh, because I, I, I think we agree, uh, that, that one of the things you can learn from, from this particular IPO, if anything, was just how well they set that price, mm-hmm. the initial price. I mean, if, if anything, the, the media scrutiny and, and the sort of broad um, kind of analysis of Facebook uh, and, and Facebook's sort of leaders, not just Zuckerberg, but, but uh, you know, the leadership team, I think over the last, you know, six months, year, uh, served really well to set that price at a really sane level. Mm-hmm. And and you don't have the you know the twenty I don't know when it, you, LinkedIn has been out for has been open for um, uh, has been public for just under a year I think and in the first month I think it opened around eighty eight something like that I mean it dropped twenty plus points in the first month before starting to regain traction. I think it's at its very low, um, you know, over the first three months. It had a nice little rally, um, but then dropped again to its low at like 60. 
um, from its opening at just under 90. And and now it's up over 100 again. It's had a nice, really nice steady uh, sort of incline over the last, you know, couple of or last six months. And I think that says that that maybe people were just kind of getting ready for for IPOs again and didn't quite know how to handle a company like LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, have, if, if anything, has, shares some of the DNA of, of Facebook as a social networking organization. And, and, um, and I think they, you know, they kind of get it at Facebook now. And I think investors are, are sort of understanding but skeptical or, or but uh, not skeptical, critical. Right. Uh, of, yeah, it's of a, what it's this company new... is and their profitability, but they think they're they're learning. And I think that's what it indicates more than anything else. Well, and you shift from, you know, wow, how many users again? Oh my gosh, one in how many Americans? This is crazy. To okay, how much profit? And and that's a new way to like you said, be critical and and really analyze the company, but y- yes, I totally agree that, you know, the the approach to this IPO was not, you know, let's uh I don't know, let's set a crazy price and see if we can break some records or let's set a low price because it's kind of gimmicky and we think it'll shoot up and that'll be great news. And I think it really was very sanely set. I think there was a lot of analysis that went into that price uh, and the amount of shares that they released and, and the whole thing. So mm-hmm. I think it was a very sober approach and and they're down a bit and it's sort of, yeah, like you said, a steady decline, but it's not like it was cut in half overnight or some weird yeah. like you know, something's terribly wrong. It really, I think, is just a little bit of the whatever, the up and down that's going to go on for a little while. And and I think it will be interesting for people to to, to have new information to be critical uh, about them with. But I think, as far as I can tell, they're ready for that. Yeah, I, I, I think the early, I, you know, the early, early dip is, is, uh, is not going to matter in the long run. I don't think so, uh, yeah. A lot of there are a lot of things going on at Facebook that might matter more. Let's say it that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's right. It's it, 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 it's honestly, even though we've had all kinds of you know Netscapes and and Pet dot com and you know all kinds of crazy things over the last uh, whatever couple of decades with technology companies, it. You look at twenty billion with Zuckerberg, and and I think more than anything about Bill Gates and Microsoft, and uh, even though this is a radically different product in a different time, um, I I do wonder. It seems like you know the collection of people is a, a very uh, brilliant group of folks, and I think a very sober group, more so than than we probably even thought a couple of years ago, or, or maybe it was even true a couple of years ago, I, you know? So it'll, I just, it'll be interesting because now they've got, uh, they've really got sort of everything going for them. And it's a matter of what kinds of smart decisions are made, uh, either to be very true to exactly what they currently do well and continue to tweak it to do better, or, um, very interesting, strategic, uh, maybe risky moves like, the Instagram um, purchase, you know, where we're wondering how well these guys can read the tea leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just be interesting to watch. Yeah. It will be interesting. So I, you know, I don't have anything new to say about Facebook's performance other than just to celebrate that it's launched as an IPO. And, and now we actually get to, you know, we get to have a a different kind of conversation about the company, which is. And and have you noticed, it seems to me, and I don't, you've probably you're probably all over this but 
in the last, I suppose, week, when I'm looking at uh, Facebook on either my iPhone in particular, but, um, you know, iPad, whatever, I'm seeing some really enormous pictures. Yeah. The uh, news updates, they are getting bigger and bigger by the day, it seems to me. Yeah, the pictures are getting, they're, they're serving bigger pictures. And so it started with uh, with Instagram and it is uh, with the Instagram acquisition, but particularly on mobile, um, you know, everything that I'm hearing is that this is, that Facebook as a company is, is recognizing the enormous importance of, of photo sharing as the linchpin of social networking right now. And, um, and it, you know, that's where the most activity and the most engagement is happening, um, you know, is around sharing photos. Yeah. And that, right. And that's the link I, that I was making. And, um, as I, I mean, last night I was just like, holy cow. I mean, I'm, wow. These are big, beautiful pictures that are showing up in my newsfeed. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, one of the differences between that and say your Facebook experience a year ago is a year ago, if you, you're checking your newsfeed and you see a, a little thumbnail that looks like it might be interesting, you kind of got to click on that, you know, to see a, a, a bigger size version and you end up on that friend's page or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I don't feel the same. I mean, I can interact with a picture without leaving my newsfeed. And maybe that also uh, is, is a part of the strategy because I was thinking about what I'd read about uh, Google's new algorithm and how they're trying to push towards serving results that in many cases would would have you not necessarily needing to even click on a link. So you'd search for, say, Albert Einstein uh, in, in your Google search, and you're served a, a lot of different websites and uh, Wikipedia and you know places you can go to learn more. Or on the right-hand side, there'll be large images and and a brief synopsis, you know, date of birth, date of death, uh, maybe a, a summary of, of his life, greatest achievements, awards, that they're pushing towards serving more of those kinds of results. Uh, that I'm not sure exactly how that uh, feeds into their business model, but, um, but they certainly, it, it does feed into, I think, making them the most, uh, I guess, used uh or desirable search engine yeah i you know i wonder um hmm. yeah I, you, I, I don't i don't have any answers for like why is that a great thing for them to do it's i i haven't noticed it in my own search results yet but uh, i've read that this is where they're heading yeah i i think so and i'm, I'm a little bit sidetracked right now because i'm i'm bringing up search results because I think this is interesting, and this is kind of uh, it's kind of hot right now, uh, is Bing, the new Bing, versus Google, right? Have you are you up uh, on the new Bing? Have you tried no, the Bing I am, preview? I, ne I no, I have not. Have you ever tried Bing? I have, yeah, I have. What's your What's your overall impression of of the uh, of the it's Bing? It's pretty. It's pretty. Okay, that's my impression. I I don't know uh, that I. You know, when it comes to serving search results, I don't have an opinion, but I think that it's that it's an attractive, and and I've I've found here's where I've used Bing is when I've been on websites that um, the ad for the website this isn't the only time I've used Bing, but lately I've used it a few times where the ad uh, on the page, whatever page I'm on, is the it, it's a large sized ad with the Bing 
you know, search uh, window or whatever, but the background is sort of a moving ad for somebody like, say, Wiz Khalifa. So you click on it, and then you get this, I don't know, minute, minute and a half clip, you know, on the like the latest album or the latest track from Wiz Khalifa, and it's very well done, and it's and it's pretty, but it it pulls you into the Bing search experience. I think that's good advertising, and it's obviously pulled me in. Um, what, are you, and it, what are you and, What are you doing over there? It's like, are you licking the microphone while you're doing no, that? No, my I'm not. Um, I've got some. I've got some. Should I mic licking sounds? That, are we doing that now? Is that the thing? The well, kids not, are doing these days. It's a different segment. <laughs> I'm probably just clacking because my head's against a pillow. Okay. All right. Well, and it's this. Your head's. This, are you doing this? Are you laying down while you're doing this? Like we're I, talking, I are you laying down? I'd say, you know, I'm in a sort of a modest, oh. yeah, state of recline. Okay. Well, continue, but not try, anymore though. Try not no, to I'm, do no, as much I'm, wiggling. I'm up, I'm up and at him now. Okay, that's good. All right. So, so back to your so impression of Bing, because I was done. I made my point. You? No, I was totally distracted. I, I was not even listening to your point at the time. Ouch. No, I was. It was good. It pulls you into the the Bing search experience, and you like right. that. Your advertising did that, and 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 it gives me the, you know, so I feel like I have a little sense of. Wow, this is pretty elegant. It's got a nice aesthetic to it, and that's my opinion. It looks exactly like, like Google, right? I mean, I'm looking at a search result for Pete Wright side by side, Google, and Bing, and and it's aesthetically, the individual search result is exactly the same. It is, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know why people aren't like really noticing this because it seems like it, but the, you have the blue linked uh, subject or, or, or a title, page title. You have a green URL in, in smaller print right below it. And then you have two lines of text that ends in an, in an ellipsis uh, if it, it is uh, too long of a, of a page description. And that is the individual search, uh, search result element on the page. They are identical, right? Um, so, the quality of the search, uh, you know, the first thing that comes up on a Google search is this Pete Wright, this attorney, uh, and apparently does a lot of speaking. But, man, he bests me every time. He's got like three three of his pages come up uh, ahead of me and then my Facebook page. Now, here's what's interesting. So, obviously, on Google, if I search for myself, my Facebook page comes up ahead of my uh, Google Plus page oh, or my or Twitter page, which I find interesting because, you know, with all the Google Plus stuff, you'd think Google would serve my my Google Plus page right up top. Uh, but maybe it's because I'm logged in and they know who I am. So there's they're, you know, discounting that. Uh, that that's probably what's happening. It's probably smarter than I am. Uh, but on Bing, this is really what is added to the new Bing preview is a sidebar that pops out of the right. And that sidebar gives me connected accounts and is directly connected to Facebook. So the first result is Bing's linked pages uh, in the main search results area. But if I have questions about the results that I'm getting, I can pop out this little sidebar and I can ask my friends immediately on Facebook from this sidebar, what do you think about the search results that I'm getting for some reason? You can hover over each individual result and or uh, you know click this little this little button thing and i can post my results directly to facebook or other connected accounts presumably hmm. so you know it it this is is where the two paths part right 
on Google, they went ahead and built a social network to support social searching, and that is Google Plus, right? And Bing has said, you know what? We don't. Microsoft says we don't really have a social network. Our live services, you know, maybe you could kind of as a stretch say that we have some sort of a social network, uh, Xbox Live. You know, if you're a gamer, if you've signed up for Xbox Live for any reason, if you subscribe to Live to get Netflix and Hulu on your, um, you know, and on your Xbox, Xbox yeah, you know, maybe that's that's or a stretch. HBO Go, but it's not a, you know, it is not a, a substantive social networking experience. So we're going to go ahead and. And pull in the results from Facebook, which as an investor, we have access to, you know, a little bit more um, kind of intimate relationship with the data at Facebook that other parties don't have. I'm saying that presuming that that is that is what they're buying by their, you know, sizable investment in the company. And so this strategy of, of social search is bringing, you know, bringing my friends uh, again into uh, search results by their activity on Facebook. Uh, I I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, on its surface, I find, and using it on Google because I don't really use Bing, but using social search on Google, when I do, when I run a search on Google and I see the uh, search result that actually has a picture of one of my friends underneath it that says they have, you know, recommended this or shared this page, or plus one to this page, I am more likely to click on that result. If there's an ad that comes through and it has somebody else, one of my sure. one of the people in my network, I'm more likely to click on this result. I yes. wonder if the Bing approach doesn't, uh, if the actual implementation of it is a little bit more cluttered. I'm I'm having trouble kind of parsing where the because I'm not seeing a search with significant Facebook activity around it, so I don't know quite how it works yet. But uh, well, and I don't know quite who uses Bing yet either. Uh, you know, like as a as a pro, I mean, it, people do and. And I suppose you have to get down to, there has to be something. They can't all just be, you know, a different flavor of the exact same thing. That didn't even make sense. But um, there has to be something that is more appealing at some point. And I think it's so difficult, you know, when the core is serving uh, relevant results. Uh, now we're watching evolutions like this that is very interesting. And I wasn't aware of, you know, uh, this is not something I was paying attention to, but how are they socializing the results, I guess? Um, and what weight does that carry? And how does it, um, you know, how does it make one more likely to be used than the other? I, I would say, I mean, just kind of, you know, back to, uh, you know, do I use being or, do, you know, what's what, what are my interactions? Uh, I I I have found uh, in a couple of cases with some people I've worked with that they seem to be uh, more uh, accommodating when it comes to building your local places results. And it's not called place. I mean, Google, it's places uh, uh, being it's what being map or being local. I can't even remember. Mm -hmm. Um, but they they seem to be more responsive, more willing to pick up the phone, more willing to walk you through things, more willing to react when, say, the address is wrong or, um, you know, you're trying to work uh, your local result ranking uh, a little higher. That, um, you know, so, so people I've worked with have had, they've enjoyed, you know, we, we've had good success getting them listed for local results and getting responsiveness to get uh, to get them corrected 
uh, more quickly. They, I mean, Google, the process can really be, they seem to really just be backed up essentially. You know, it's, it's very difficult to get them to work with you. There's more of a, with Google, there's more of a, well, just <laughs> give it a few months and it'll work itself out. Uh, seems to be what happens there, um, which is frustrating for small businesses, um, especially when you get into a busy season or something like that for whatever industry it is, and and you really need things to be corrected. So, anyway, that's important, and that's been important for small businesses. Of course, that's on you know the small business side, and y- you know uh, for all the work that it takes to get those results corrected, you're still at you know, if you feel like wow, you know we're number two in Bing's map results, but we're number six in Google's. Well, um, that's exciting, except that I think Bing is what, uh, 20% maybe of the search engine um, oh, I, I don't know. market. Uh, let's see. Do you hear the uh, chaos going on in my uh, office here? Can you hear any crashing and banging? I heard like two little sounded like movement on your desk. I didn't oh. hear crashing. No, I have a, we have a new kitten. And it's destroying oh, something no. in my bookshelf right now. That's uh, awesome. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think it's really, you know, one of the, the uh, let's see, Bing is at 5%. Looks like. Oh, well, uh, that's, that's kind of a, that's on that market share. How about uh, Chrome recently becoming the number one uh, um, web browser? I saw that on Mashable the other day. What do you think about that? You know, I use Chrome for a couple of specific things. Uh, I mean, I use, <laughs> I don't know what I think about it. I, 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 my default is Safari, um, but I have certain accounts that I'm sort of pre-logged into on, on uh, Firefox and the same with Chrome. And that way I can, you know, I can do different things without having to log out uh, as a user, for instance, from Google in Safari to use, say, AdWords in Chrome, I can have them both going as, as different accounts. So, I, I like Chrome fine, but I still default to Safari. So, I don't know what I think about it. I, I mean, I, I'm a long way from uh, having used, you know, Internet Explorer for anything. So, I think in terms of, if I were forced uh, onto a Windows machine for some reason, uh, I, I think Chrome. Reacts much more quickly than Firefox. I'm not in love with Firefox. Oh, I don't. And according to the statistics, uh, you know, people are are joining you. This is interesting to me. So in September 2008, Chrome uh, W3 W3 Schools dot com began tracking uh, Chrome's usage. It launched at 3.1 percent. Safari at the time was 2.7 percent, and it launched. Um, Let's see. They started tracking Safari January of 2007. So Chrome launched higher than in their tracking than um, than Safari, Safari did and, and had been around a while and was at that point 2.7%. Uh, but Internet Explorer at the time had just dropped below 50% uh, in September of 2008. That's when it first hit 49%. And now... Uh, Internet Explorer is at 18.3% as of April. Firefox is 35.8%. Chrome is 38.3%. Safari at 4.5%. And Opera uh, is uh, 2.3%. I I don't know how I, uh, what I think about that. And I, and I wonder, in light of what we were just talking about in terms of, you know, data sharing and social search, you know, the big benefit of Chrome 
Well, there are a couple of big benefits of Chrome. It's, you know, in, in my experience, it's fast. And, and I, I think that's shared. I know some people have been having trouble with it on the, on the Mac uh, of, of late, but largely if you're running the latest version of Chrome, it's, it's super fast. It works really, really, really well with Google's services, mm -hmm. right? And that means some of the highest traffic websites, you know, on the internet, uh, you know, Google, Yahoo, um, uh, you know, Google, Yahoo, Finance, I mean, the, the general search results, and of course, the sort of now the glue that they're driving everybody toward, which is, um, you know, and Maps uh, and Google+. Well, I'll tell you one of my thoughts about it. I, I remember a time uh, when I worked for a company that, uh, you know, we had a web advertising division and and we were creating um, uh, web ads for clients. And I remember our, our chief uh, technology guy who was uh, in, in charge of sort of the web uh, ad division. I remember him in a meeting saying, look, I, you know, sure, there are a couple other browsers, but they don't matter. And we literally can just plan to build ads to function on Internet Explorer and call it good because it's the vast majority of people using it and it really doesn't even matter. It, it isn't worth our time as a, as a company to modify our ads to be optimized for other web browsers because, you know, Internet Explorer is so dominant that really is the only thing we have to worry about. And you look at what you're talking about, the shift in... Um, market share and ultimately it's a good thing ultimately and i don't think there are the same compatibility compatibility issues that there were five years ago even though they do still exist um i don't think it's it you know it's a nice thing that things seem to play together you know somewhat nicely these days but still i think it's i think when you go from the feeling of inevitable dominance to good um you know, quality choices. I like that. Yeah, I think I think it's really, really nice that there isn't one single uh, you know browser that is absolutely you know owning the the web because it drives all the other browsers to support you know a a, a more common set of standards. Exactly, and that's a great thing. And yeah. then and that allows who knows what in the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and while we're on the Microsoft topic, I wanted to just ask you because. Um, it's, this is very belated news, but I, I didn't know if you had an opinion on uh, the collaboration, I guess it's called. I don't there's probably a better term between Microsoft and uh, Barnes and Noble on the nook for uh, for textbooks, I guess, right? Wow, do I know about this? Okay. Uh, well, it was a couple of weeks ago. It's like I think a three hundred million dollar investment, and it looks like possibly the beginning of uh, Barnes and Noble's ability to spin nook off into either a separate company or maybe a co-owned company or something to that effect. It, it, it increased shares slightly for Barnes & Noble because there was a lot of concern that the Nook was um, a little in over its head in the long run, com competition-wise. And this was Microsoft's uh, effort, as far as I can tell, to jump in to, to compete with uh, Apple's um, you know, moves in like college textbooks and that kind of thing on on the iPad. So I wonder I, I wonder who they I, I wonder who they're really competing with. Right? I mean this is I it, I don't know if this is a competition well, I don't with Apple. I think it's a competition, competition with Amazon. I think you're right. I don't I don't know that it was meant to be it, it it was something to do with you know with 
textbooks more than it was to do with straight, uh, you know, eBooks, but you know, yeah. Was it, was it meant, you know, to compete against Apple? I never read that it was, I just sort of made that assumption and I haven't read much about it. I didn't know if you had an opinion and you don't. So, well, I can make, so that's okay. So let's talk about this. How about Kraft Foods, uh, new, um, newly announced, uh, company name, Mondaliza or Mondaliz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, what's fantastic about it is how how could you possibly spell it? There's an accent (laughs) over there. What are they? What? (laughs) Mondaliz? Is it? How do you say that? Mondaliz? Which I hate. I, I hate the... Now, how do you spell that? M-O-N-D-E-L-E. No, I know. I'm just saying the fact oh, that... Oh, you were not asking. Yeah. See, that's the point. Is, I think it's always a bad thing. You know, I mean, let's... The article I read about this, it was just today that I read it, um, was uh, comparing, you know, like, okay, they spent, you know, a good four months of very in-depth research, went through thousands of names and 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 they fully expected the backlash and the and and the cr- wisecracks because they kind of had already focus grouped them, um, and and then they you know compared it to and, and the company executives compared it to when you you know you got like nine months or or less to prepare for the coming of a child and so you, you're going through all these names and you're testing them and you're you know blah blah blah. Well, I think in any case you have all that time you do kind of want to stop and say, do you want the annoyance of now, how is that spelled every single time? Now, what did you say? Now, how do you pronounce that? So one of the things I, I love, I don't know if you've read, uh, Diane Brady uh, wrote a great piece in Bloomberg uh, or Business Week on the art in of rebranding. And art was, art was in quotes. It looks like the way this worked uh, is that the company... Um, so this the the Mondelez is going to be uh, the name of the new snacks business, right? Because the company is splitting, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the whole issue. And so what they ended up doing was they they took uh, uh, essentially a giant survey of seventeen hundred uh, names submitted by more than one thousand craft employees over a five month process of soliciting ideas. And uh, and they came up with, well, I'm just going to read the passage uh, again from Diane Brady on Bloomberg Business Week, The Art of Rebranding. For craft spokesman Michael Mitchell, Tfark, that's spelled T-F-A-R-K, <laughs> is a personal favorite. Quote, I'm not sure what it means, says Mitchell. I just like the way it sounds. <laughs> Let's say it again. Tfark. <laughs> where do you where do you work, Dane? Tfark. <laughs> oh man, I have to redo Fark my resume. I have to redo my resume because I'm really trying to get that great job at Tfark. <laughs> you know, uh, this also speaks to you know, I'm I'm all for crowdsourcing, but I think there's a science to making it actually work and be productive and not be biased. But I think the over-democratization of things like this, where it you give the outside appearance that 
boy, we opened this up to everybody and we really, the cream rose to the top. No question about it. Well, no, it didn't. <laughs> At some point, somebody with a lot of authority got an opinion and everyone else sort of fell in line. Well, and that was the uh, Mondelez came from Johannes Schmidt, a 35-year company veteran working in information systems in Vienna, and Mark Firestone, Kraft's general counsel, and someone Mitchell describes as a real renaissance man, based at the company's headquarters in Northfield, Illinois. Both came up with the idea of playing on the notion, quote, delicious world, end quote. This, after all... The, this is, after all, the part of the company that deals in chocolate, cookies, crackers, gum, and candy. Putting box macaroni or cheese spread under such a label might not be as obvious a fit. The higher purpose is to make today delicious, says Mitchell, with no trace of irony in his voice. <laughs> you know, I got to say, I remember uh, starting at a company once um, uh, as as the marketing head, and they were they, this company had been contemplating a new division. And they had already spent like, I don't know, a day or a half a day um, trying to come up with names. Like that was where they were stuck. They had a vague notion of what is this business going to be? It's going to be a spinoff of what we do, but it's going to be different. It'll be this other, you know, whatever. But the name, what are we going to call it, was really where they were hung up. And it, it never did end up get, getting launched. But um, And so I was handed like, hey, here are some names. But by the company president, I was obviously pointed to this one is the one we're really looking at. And what it was was a Latin word for something. And uh, so it meant nothing to me or to most people. But they had been caught on the meaning. And and in this case, this Mondelez is a hybrid. I think it maybe even is a Latin hybrid. But it's not a real word per se. But it's like delicious world you know, like, so all of a sudden you can see they've got this background that they have that they're, that they find attractive. So this word has meaning to those, you know, who I guess have helped sort of craft this and, and, oh, delicious world. Isn't that cool? Well, it doesn't say, deli call it delicious world. Right. Called it Mondelez. It doesn't mean anything to anybody, but, but now there's this attachment and I've sort of witnessed that before. Well, it's not, it's absolutely, I think this happens more, a, a lot more often than maybe we, we, than it should certainly, because uh, you're making it, the bottom line is to me, you're making it too hard because right. now not only do you have to tell the world, We've changed our means. name, but now we have to teach you what it means. Right. It's, it, you know, there was a, there was a great, 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 great uh, interview on The Verge. Uh, do you, have you seen that show yet on The Verge? Nope. The Verge, you know, obviously is the website, uh, theverge.com. I've it, seen it, The View. Is it like The View? It's not, uh, it's actually not dissimilar to The View okay. uh, in form and format. It's a, it's a late night TV show, right? I mean, it's a late night show only on the internet uh, that, that is produced by a bunch of gadget heads with really, really high production value. Like it's a, it's a beautiful show and it's really wonderful. You should check it out and subscribe to it because it's, they do a great job with it, but it's for geeks. Right. And, uh, the last month, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist was on uh, the show and he ha said something that I think really is, is apropos of this discussion. Uh, he says, astrophysicists, you know, the universe is an enormously complex place. And so, we have gone out of our way to make the terms that define that place as simple as possible. 
There are spots on the sun. There's sunspots. There's a giant, a, a cool. giant black hole in space. It's a black hole. He said everything we do works to reduce the number of syllables in a word that that describes what we do to one. And I loved that because he's talking about about simplifying an, a, a, a really complex concept uh, in order to make it easier on yourself as the communicator to teach the world about this concept. And Mondelez does exactly not that. Right. And you know, you know who is uh, not at all my favorite person, but who I respect and admire for his ability to to work with words and 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 give them power and, and to, and to, uh, change public perception by things like, you know, simplification and, and finding that common denominator is Frank Lutz, the Republican yeah. strategist. I don't know if he's a strategist, but he's, he's pretty brilliant with words. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, again, don't love the man, but I think he's really, it, it's not the exact same thing. I mean, you're talking about, you know, um, you know, descriptions, I guess, um, you know, he, he does things where it's, you know, like calling something the clean air act that is, you know, a reduction in, yeah. <laughs> in clean air. Right. Right. Um, he was very good at that. It still is, I think. So, you know, it's, it's, there, there obviously is a science. And I guess that's why I thought of Frank Lutz is, you know, you're bringing up, well, okay. Um, we could, we could take submissions from our global company and see who has the most attachment to an obscure term or, you know, I, I think this is, a, in my opinion, an underdeveloped or underutilized science is, you know, the way the simplification or, you know, the sort of the common association to a term can really move something forward. What, what this is really, this piece is illustrative of is that this company was way too close to becoming Tfark. <laughs> like the fact that that's even brought up in conversation means they were too close to that line. Somebody's like, "Oh, we have an option." Okay, yeah. whatever Ma it is. Mondelez is is a, is absolutely the win if that's the choice. Oh, I, scary, I'm sorry for the new craft company that that was the choice, but if that's the choice, they made the right one. Hey, can I bring up one other thing I think is interesting, and yeah. I just want to get your opinion on it. Sure. I know we're we're are we there? Are yeah, we? I, I don't know where. Yeah, I think we're there. Well, okay, one thing, right? So I've, I've got this mother-in-law who uh, is my mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. And anyway, she went on a little trip to California and uh, got home the other day and just immediately was like, I can't believe what an awful flight that was uh, because she usually flies Southwest and feels like everything goes smoothly. Um, but on United, we couldn't get the seats we wanted we we couldn't sit together and it was and they couldn't help us and it was and she was just fired up about this right um and first of all i thought of the louis ck uh, bit yeah. on <laughs> on yeah. airplanes and how isn't it just a miracle that you're sitting in a chair at thirty thousand feet you non-contributing <laughs> zero i love that bit it's, it's a really good one quit complaining um anyway but the other thing was an article today uh uh, about how at peak travel this summer, you should fully expect to not be able to sit with the people you are flying with unless you pay for that privilege. And that's that stems from charging extra, um, obviously, for 
exit rows. That's been going on for a while. But now for uh, a, a window or an aisle, you're going to pay extra. So if you want to sit next to your spouse and there are three seats in a row, uh, one of you is paying extra to be in either the, the window or the aisle. Um, and even if you're flying with a child or, you know, you, you want to get your whole family together, unless you're willing to foot the bill for that, uh, you're all going to be separated. Oh, my goodness. Which means they are now going out of their way to make parties traveling together sit apart. Well, I was just thinking like, okay, the, the stewardess who actually says, Fly, yes. Flight, flight attendant thing. Whatever. Flight like <laughs> images. I watch Mad Men, and I, you know, I kind of get drawn into the, the, uh, the romance of of sexism in the '60s. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, flight attendant. Anyway, I, I guess I actually say stewardess because they're in my mind. What the example I'm going to give you, they they would be the most uh, sympathetic. But if I'm flying with my twins, and and somebody really has the audacity to say, uh, "You guys didn't pay to be together," so you're thoroughly rambunctious five-year-old boy and you know your super shy five-year-old uh, girl will be there and there and you'll be here because y'all didn't pay to sit together uh, right. I just don't see it happening you really you don't see you don't think they would go that that place to that dark place uh, it would be it would be a very interesting flight if that happened for everybody for everybody <laughs> that's really so, the so, issue that they're they're making an economic argument that's going to make it worse for everyone make you know those people take care of my kids that's i'm gonna have a more pleasant flight I'm okay. yeah it, i guess that's right it will be more pleasant for only one person <laughs> like hey uh, and that's yeah. dad just, uh, all right. just how everyone does with that okay um you know i just again i uh i i don't know if uh i don't know how far they'll take it but I thought it was interesting because it went from, you know, I hear this complaint to, you know, this one flight and this one airline, and I can't believe this, to, um, you should be expecting that. Yeah. Well, there's a, there are a whole lot of reasons to, to complain about air travel, for sure. And I, I, but this one, you know, this, I think, is the most interesting one. And it's more, I, I don't necessarily have, um, you know, a specific opinion on, you know, is, it the, is this the right way to monetize air travel? But as a laboratory experiment? I wish this was a laboratory experiment and not subjected on, uh, you know, millions of air travels every day, air travelers every day, every year. Uh, but um, but well, as a laboratory, it's what? most interesting because this is the industry that is is trying to monetize everything. everything. They have to find a way to monetize everything. And it's really interesting to see the links to which they will go to do that. And it would be one thing if we were seeing this at a time when they were barely making ends meet but this uh you know charging for for luggage and charging for your meals and that kind of thing has been pretty successful to the bottom line so far and they uh delta i think had one of their most profitable quarters ever recently and so at some point i guess uh i want to see them pull back a bit uh, and not just increase their profits at my inconvenience. So I don't know. Yeah, that's the that's the real trick. It, and it, you know, I I've been having this discussion a lot uh, recently because you know I, there there are companies, in spite of the you know the uh, sort of the economy in the state that it is, that are are turning around and are seeing the profits go up. And and I I worry. I think that we. You know, we're so used to times of austerity that we forget that there are people who took some significant pay cuts to 
to get us back to this place in this market. And it's and and as organizational leaders, uh, you know, there, there's a time to pay it back uh, to the to the customers that have been loyal and to the employees that have been right. loyal and and. You know, well, yes, and you would think, you know, there's, there's, there are market corrections and and outside forces, but there are also things that many companies in the car industry, chief among them, had to learn about uh, understanding their customers and understanding the market and being uh, intelligent uh, about how they run their business, and so you know, when things are are then profitable, um, you know, I know everybody still, I I would imagine anyway, is saying. Okay, so we've been profitable and this is great, but we still are very uncertain, and so we're not quite ready to um, uh, to to maybe be uh, anything but austere. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I guess you know, the market maybe plays itself out in that regard. And you yeah. think, you know, how hard would it be for the airline um, to really rise to the top that says? And of course, Southwest has kind of already done this. Well, you know, I think we're Virgin, not charging for bags. Uh, and... I think Virgin is another uh, airline that's that's made a history of of giving more. You know, I mean, even if they monetize in this whole new fancy way, the experience when you fly a Virgin Air, uh, Virgin America flight is is notably different than than. Well, and it, and it seems like a, uh, you know, I mean, this is this is uh, old news, but when the, when a company treats its employees well, that's that's part of branding. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't just a good you know, sort of a, a social obligation or whatever to take care of people that that you know work for you or or you are in some sense your partners in business. But it's it brands you because it's clear to me when I go to a business if the employees are being taken care of or they're happy to be there or you know or they feel like they're just slaves. You yeah. Know. yeah. Well, and I was I was joking about Tfark, but but you know, getting my resume ready. But that's really it. I mean, how excited are you going to be to go? You know, put your blood, sweat, and tears for uh, you know, toward an organization that you can't pronounce. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I wanted to tell you. Uh, you know, speaking of the car industry, we we got a car. Dude, did you get the uh, Hyundai? We got the Hyundai. We got a nice. Hyundai Sonata. And this is after you know I went out and I drove a bunch of cars. And the the bottom line was the experience and the value for features was head and shoulders above. Just the, the, the total sort of unified driving experience of this car was head and shoulders above uh, above uh, everything else we tried. You know, every and other that's a that's a luxury looking automobile too, isn't it? It is at a at a very reasonable price for the for the class of car that it ends up being. I absolutely love it, and I'm I it is a um, you know I I told my wife I'm you know I, I'm I'm finished now shopping. I know exactly where I'm going to go when our when when the other car goes. You know, we're ten year car people at least. Like we want to make sure that this is that's the the low end benchmark, and this is a car that just feels very much like it's going to be around with us. And so I know we, we talked about that, like the experience of sort of auto marketing and how just sort of disgusting uh, a process that is like, I, I don't oh, love it's a dirty process. I really don't love that process. And, and I think the experience, the driving experience, the test driving experience, the, 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 um, you know, the showroom experience, um, you know, looking in this class of a car was head and shoulders above the rest. They made that, um, you know, a great product really shine for us. And I, you know, I think um, it surprised me because talk about a brand that has turned it around in the last, you know, eight years. This is not the car that, that uh, you know, I remember uh, from 10 years ago. 
It's just not you know, the same and it's car. and it's more of a wide open market, partly because of the uh, Honda and Toyota recently that where they used to just always dominate. But I think it's it's a wide open market for um, car companies who can be again intelligent about their their products. You know, which which products are they putting money into, and do they have too many? Do they have the right you know the right kind for the market? Um, and uh, uh, but obviously quality and features and and. Uh, it's sort of anybody's game, I think. You know well, what I mean? Well, it really is. And you can see this interesting strategy kind of at work, particularly in the Hyundai, because, you know, I was talking to another um, uh, buying consultant, kind of an independent third party. And I said, you know, it, it feels to me like something is wrong with the Hyundai because it is in, it, it drives like an incredibly solid car. You know, it drives like, it, you know, uh, really tight to the road. Everything feels really tight inside the, the um, inside the cabin, you know, it feels like everything's bolted together tight. Nothing feels like plastic. It's it's uh, it's very solid, um, and and you know, you get all these features like you get the full navigation and GPS, and you get the you know the satellite, and you get the backup camera, and you get all these features that in the same class of car you do not get anywhere else. Um, in the same class for the same price. And I said, how do they do that? Because it says either they're selling these cars at an enormous loss, or they uh, they're cheap. The functions and features in here are just really, really cheap. And he said, no, that's not actually the case. The strategy of Hyundai is to get an enormous number of cars on the roads. They are they are a company that is quite literally making it up in volume. And mm. so it really is. I mean, they, they end up selling, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if they if they weren't making so many of these cars, they would be selling them at a loss. But at least what he's telling me is they're making so many because they want to get so many on the road. And now it's it's like all I can see. It seems like I'm driving around in a fleet of Hyundai. So that is a potential downside. There are a lot of Hyundais out there right now. See, and I haven't noticed. And it is a funny thing when you get a new car. Yeah, it's you all you all see. This, it's all you see. Yeah. And it's really true. And there probably are a lot more than I've ever noticed. But it sounds yeah. like for good reason. So yeah. congratulations, well, new it's car a, owner. It's certainly a fun car. I wish That's I could, a fun thing. It makes I, you want to just go on a road trip. Which, by the way, uh, my last point, I'm going to be on a road trip to uh, Bend, Oregon this weekend. Oh, great. That's not close to me so much. Oh, come on. It's two you... hours. And don't forget this. The Shins are playing Friday, Tenacious oh. D on Saturday, and Beck is on Sunday. Oh, man. And what is, you know, what is we're, we're it? Gonna be, we're going to be in a condo with uh, plenty of space. What's the event? It's Memorial Weekend. I don't oh, know. You're just doing a thing. Kids are out of school, so all we're right, going to a bend. Right. Why right. not? Well, clearly we might need to talk again uh, Okay. here. Let's no, hey, hey, a good, uh, good talk. Good talk. All right. Bye. I'm shut my screen now. Okay. <laughs> 